welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, your austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this retrospective issue of Fake News. And the theme today is how the media uses wordplay to deceive people, specifically through word choice. That's what I'm really going to focus on and what ties all these things together in this week's roundup of the fake news. And um, it's actually a a kind of a roundup of the past two weeks. Last week, I did just an episode really specifically looking at that Kyle Rittenhouse case, and we have some more follow-up to that. But because I focused so heavily on that case and did kind of a retrospective issue on it, I didn't have as much time as I wanted to to really talk about a lot of other current events going on. So I'm going to just try to catch up on the past few weeks of current events and even go out a little bit further back than that. Some things I haven't talked about from the past few months. I'm going to bring some of that into because it's all dealing with this common deceptive tactic the media tries to use of playing with words and using really um, deliberate word choice in order to mislead the public about stuff that's going on. I'll give lots and lots of examples of that today. Uh, and this has been an issue for a long time. I mean, it's it's kind of how politicians talk a lot. And the media, of course, is nothing but political activists. Um, whenever I was in college, and this was like over 10 years ago, I had this class, and this was one of the most difficult classes that we had for our major. I was a communications major. I got a communications uh, bachelor's degree. And one of the most difficult classes was called research methods. In research methods, you wrote this this paper that was 20 or 25 pages long, huge research paper. And uh, in this paper, we had to, you know, we had to pick some kind of topic that was of interest to us. You could pick whatever topic you want, but you had to do a research on it. You had to do some kind of experiment uh, that was part of the research project. And so that we spent the whole semester putting together this whole research project. And one of the things that I was uh, wanting to talk about as, as I was a media guy, I was a, a journalist um, on the school newspaper and had worked for some local papers as a young adult. And so I really wanted to talk, I wanted to focus in on how the media can use two things, um, visuals that they attach to a story, and then also the word choice that they use. <laughs> and that, that ended up being too much for one research paper. So I ended up only going with the visual side. But w- one thing I really wanted to, to throw in was how word choice can skew a reader's interpretation of a story. And so I never really got to do the whole research project on word choice, but it's something I've always just kind of kept in the back of my mind as I'm perusing the media and trying to learn about what they're saying is how they can use words to obscure meaning and sometimes even to give people the opposite impression of what's going on rather than the truth, which which should be, of course, a journalist's goal is to tell people the truth. Uh, recently, I was reading in a book called the book is called First You Write a Sentence, and uh, this is kind of an interesting book if you like just books about language and how words are used. Um, it's telling a story in this book about someone named S.I. Hayakawa, and uh, Hayakawa was, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what they were, some kind of language expert, uh, and they were researching how fascist regi- regimes, okay, talking about governments, fascists would use abstract language in order to deceive the public, you know, in order to push their ideas and to get their policies pushed through the government 
and to get the public to accept it. Uh, one of the ways that they would do that, uh, one of their tactics was to use abstract language and in what S.I. Hayakawa calls nouny language, using a bunch of, just stringing a bunch of nouns together that don't really mean anything, but they just shove so many nouns together that it sounds like the politician is saying something important. It sounds like they're saying, it sounds like they're very knowledgeable and doing a good thing. Uh, but really, all the words don't mean anything. It's just shoving a bunch of nouns together to kind of bore the public into accepting whatever they say, because it just sounds too, so complicated that you think, oh, the, the 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 fascist dictator who's taking care of me, he must know what he's talking about. And uh, in the book, it said, alarmed by fascist propaganda, Hayakawa wanted to make his students aware of what happens when words unfasten themselves from observable reality. Language was the lifeblood of what he called the huge cooperative nervous system of society. For that nervous system to work well, language had to work well too. And so Hayakawa does all this research, comes up with something called the ladder of abstraction. And it's just a way of talking about how um, some words are more specific in their meaning than others. And other words are very abstract and they could mean a lot of things. And fascists or people, let me just say people who are trying to deceive you, they will use a lot of abstract words, words that don't have a specific meaning, okay? An example of that would be the word box. Now, you can say box and everyone knows kind of what a box is, but we could all visualize a different idea of, of what the box actually looks like. You know, some might imagine a big box, a square-shaped box, rectangular box. Um, if Now, if you use a word like shoebox, well, that's a lot more specific as to what someone's talking about rather than just using the word box. And so nouns can be abstract in their meaning. Fascists, aka, or otherwise people who are trying to deceive you, like the media as we're going to talk about today, they'll use a lot of abstract words and string a lot of nouns together, do this, um, what Hayakawa called nouny sentences, in order to just get you to accept whatever they're trying to tell you. Uh, the, the goal, as the book says, the goal says it is to bore the reader into not looking closely at the words. And so they'll use a lot of big words like modernization or incentivization. Um, and in the book, first you write a sentence, it calls this uncommunication because it's tedious and, and it doesn't really communicate anything, but people think you're saying something. It's a way of pushing through all kinds of untrue or false ideas or to getting people to think whatever you want them to think without actually specifically telling them anything. Think about the way Pete Buttigieg, our, our um, Secretary of Transportation here in America, the way that he talks, if you listen to him talk for more than five or 10 seconds, all you hear is a bunch of nouny sentences that don't mean anything. When you listen to that guy talk, I'm not saying he's necessarily a fascist. I think he might have some, he might, here's the thing. I think he does have fascist tendencies, actually. I, I would say that. And, the, and he looks so well-mannered and, and nice and polite and has a big smile on his face and looks pretty harmless, okay? He doesn't look very threatening. But if you actually look into what he's saying, he says a lot of fascist things. I'll, I'll say it's fascist things. I mean, the, the, the current um, people in charge of our government right now are very totalitarian and authoritarian. Look at how they're trying to push through the, the mandates that they're trying to push through... Um, about vaccines and, and um, what workers' rights are, taking away workers' rights, you, trying to use OSHA to force employers to do their bidding. I mean, this is authoritarian stuff. 
and they come across as so harmless and pleasant as they're explaining it to you. But if you listen, it's just a bunch of nouny sentences that really don't mean anything. But we're going to talk about that today. I want to expose some of that. Um, so that's the main topic for today, um, is how the media media uses wordplay to deceive people, especially in their word choice. Um, it reminds me of this, this, I got this voicemail the other day. If I could just give an example. I got this voicemail the other day, and I'm listening to it, and the voicemail, I didn't answer the call because I didn't recognize the number, and I get so many spam calls, I just don't even answer anymore unless... Um, unless I know who it is, basically. So I get this voicemail and it said, it said it was wanting to help me with the economic impact tax debt relief program, the economic impact tax debt relief program. And I looked at that, um, because my, my phone gives me a little transcription of the voicemail. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, just as soon as I see that glob of words, it's like, it's adjective noun, 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 noun. AKA spam. It was junk. And I could just kind of tell because I could even just look at the, I knew it was spam probably anyway, but just looking at the nouny way it talked, nouny, nouny sentences, economic impact tax debt relief program, noun, 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 all those nouns. And it doesn't really mean anything. Um, sounds like it's important. Sounds like something, some smart person somewhere came up with. It's junk. It's spam. I Googled the number. It's just a spam call. But I knew that just from the from the voicemail. So let's talk about some of the ways the media uses these nouny sentences and how you can recognize it in authoritarian governments too. They'll use nouny sentences to say nothing because they want to push through something awful. And, and here's an example. This um, The infrastructure bill that recently passed. Now, this was from a couple weeks ago, which is why I wanted to go back a little bit on this roundup of news. Um, And we've seen some headlines about how the media has not really been super excited about the infrastructure bill that Joe Biden got passed a few weeks ago. He he thought this was going to be a big win, give him a big ratings boost because his his uh, his popularity ratings have been going down for the past few months. Tanking, honestly, he's not he's not perceived to be accomplishing anything. So he gets this bill passed through the Senate and House. They call it the infrastructure win that we can call it a win. That's, you know, he got a bill passed that he wanted to get passed. But did this capture the hearts and minds of Americans? No, it really didn't give him a pull bump. Um, and there's a headline from, from Sunday Vision. It was shared on MSN.com. MSN.com, it said, Americans don't understand Biden's infrastructure win. That's very true. Here's another headline from Mass Live. Most Americans don't know what's in Democrat-led infrastructure, social bills programs, a poll shows. That's basically what's been going on. He did not get a ratings boost from this. Nobody cares that he got this infrastructure win. And the reason, kind of like the the headline said, Americans don't understand it. So they're not excited about it. (laughs) And I'll explain exactly why. Because for the past several months, Democrats have done a terrible job of communicating what this bill is all about. They have not been able to explain to the American public what this bill does. And the main thing that they've messed up on is they've tried to say just (laughs) this bill has a lot of stuff in it that's not infrastructure. So they're trying to deceive the public into thinking just everything is infrastructure. And that's why this bill does everything. They say everything is infrastructure, basically. But then when everything is infrastructure, nothing is infrastructure because there's no distinction anymore. It's just everything is infrastructure. So now what's the point? It's just the bill that supposedly does everything. Um, Infrastructure is supposed to be as people often say, roads and bridges, okay? 
the Democrats put out a tweet. They say, here's the breakdown of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. This is what they put in their tweet. This bill, by the way, it costs $1.25 trillion, okay? So here's how they say this breaks down. Roads and bridges, $110 billion. Railroads, $66 billion. Public transit, $39 billion. Airports, $25 billion. Waterways and ports, $17 billion. Road safety, $11 billion. Electric vehicles, $8 billion. Water, $110 billion. Power, $66 billion. Resilience. And they put an emoji of someone making a muscle with their arm. I don't know what that means. Resilience, $39 billion. Here's, here's where we're getting into it. What is resilience and, how to, and what does a person making a muscle have to do with infrastructure? Terrible messaging from the Democrats on this. So resilience, $39 billion, and broadband is $65 billion. Okay, so we're even by the end of their tweet, they're getting off into just unknown territory of what infrastructure even is. And all these billions of dollars, if you add them up, it doesn't even come close to the $1.25 trillion price tag that has been put on this thing. So what else is in the infrastructure bill? Okay, this is what Democrats, again, they're terrible messaging on this. Their terrible redefining of infrastructure has left them, <laughs> has left them unable to explain what this bill is and why it's a win because this bill just does so much stuff, okay? So... Uh, earlier this year, this is what was reported was going to be in, in the in the infrastructure bill. And I don't know if all these things were in the final bill, because I know there's been a lot of changes since it was first introduced. It's been trimmed down a bit, too. So I don't know how many of things ended up in the final product. But, but let me just tell you some of the stuff that's in the infrastructure bill. Um, they put in $3.5 billion for the Indian Health Service. That is infrastructure to them. <laughs> this is what they're saying is infrastructure. Okay, one billion for the Appalachian Regional Commission. One billion for the noun noun noun. That is infrastructure. Seventy-five million for the Denali Commission. So whatever that is, that is infrastructure. Fourteen point two billion for the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. All right, which handles radio and television regulations. They get fourteen point two billion because that is infrastructure. Three hundred thirty million for the DHS. 455 million for fish and wildlife. 510 million for the US Geological Survey. 2 billion for the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. They get 2 billion. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration gets 2.6 billion. All these things are infrastructure according to the Democrats because everything is infrastructure. 16.3 billion for the Department of Energy. 21 billion for carbon dioxide transportation infrastructure. Did you hear that? 2.1 billion for noun, 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 noun. 21.5 billion for clean energy demonstrations. My goodness. It, everything is infrastructure, guys. Everything, did you hear that everything is infrastructure? This is like in um, The Incredibles. If you've seen that movie from 2004 from Pixar, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it's one of their best. But the villain in there, he's jealous of superheroes and he wants to have superpowers like them. And he wants to make it where anybody can have superpowers. Because as he says, when, when everyone is special, then nobody will be. When everybody is special, nobody will be special because everyone's the same. <laughs> so that's really, though, the problem with their, their messaging on infrastructure 
I'm not saying their problem is just messaging. I think the whole bill is terrible anyway. But this is why Americans don't understand it because they say everything is infrastructure. So when everything is infrastructure, nothing is infrastructure because everything's infrastructure. There's no distinctions anymore. $350 million for Wildlife Crossing's pilot program. This is, uh, when I looked into what this is, it's bridges for animals, building bridges for animals. $75 million for Open Challenge and Research Proposal Program. Noun, 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 noun. The bunch of words that don't mean anything. I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is. What is Open Challenge and Research Proposal Program? And why does it need $75 million? It's just a bunch of nouns to cover up whatever they're actually trying to do. Bunch of junk. Okay, it's also as part of the infrastructure bill, gender identity is being defined. Because I guess gender identity is infrastructure now. Did you know gender identity was infrastructure? Uh, <laughs> the Democrats themselves, Kristen Gillibrand tweets out, paid leave is infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Caregiving is infrastructure. Because you know what, guys? Everything is infrastructure. They say climate change is infrastructure. When the Democrats try to tell us that tree equity is infrastructure. That's right. That was actually in that bill. Tree equity. Tree equity is infrastructure. They put in $250 million for invasive plant species removal. $50 million for studies on road usage and per mile fees. Because they're trying to see if they can tax Americans by the mile. Tax you by however many miles you drive each year. You'll pay a tax. The more miles you drive, the more you get taxed. That's one thing. that I guess you could say that's infrastructure, but I'm just telling you that's one thing here in the bill that they're researching. Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever. Pete Buttigieg wants to do that to you later on down the line. Okay. <laughs> if you don't think he's a fascist now, you'll be saying it someday when he's charging you by the mile. $50 million for climate change reports and engaging disadvantaged communities because that is infrastructure. Uh, they put in some, I don't know how much, they, they put in money to upgrade Amtrak in Canada. Okay, that's that's infrastructure, but that's Canadian infrastructure. But Americans, I guess, are going to pay for it because, I don't know, they're not going to make Canada do it. They put in money to combat human trafficking. <laughs> I guess because it has the word traffic in it, now that is infrastructure. $2.5 billion in green energy subsidies. They put in the Digital Equality Act of 2021 for everyone to use the internet. Again, I don't know how much of this stuff actually made it into the final bill, but this this is why Americans don't understand why infrastructure is supposedly a win. <laughs> Maybe when you see an animal bridge, you might get excited about the infrastructure bill, but until then, it's all a bunch of gobbledygook, nouny language, nouny sentences, noun, 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 and nobody can understand what this bill is all about. So Biden got no percentage boost to his ratings from his infrastructure win. Got nothing from it. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Okay. And let me just play one last clip. Because now, now that they've got it passed and it's not helping them, Biden has been going around trying to tr convince everybody why it's so important that they got this infrastructure bill passed. Let me play you a clip of him talking about why it's so important that he got this thing passed. Conversations around those kitchen tables that are both profound as they are ordinary. How do I cross a bridge in a snowstorm? What happened? No, I'm, I, think about it. You know, you're in a situation, what happens if the bridge collapses and there's a fire on the other side? It's going to take 10 miles longer to get to the fire. People can die. I mean, this is real. This is real stuff. D does that sound like 
the American experience to you that your bridges are just falling apart so quick the firefighters can't get across the road? Is is that what's going on? No. That that sound you hear is the democratic narrative falling apart because they're not getting any boost from all this. Infrastructure has been a big bust. But you're paying for it, by the way. Your tax dollars are paying for it. Bunch of nouns. That's what your tax dollars are going to is a bunch of nouns. So if you look at how liberal media reports on the infrastructure bill that no one cares about, the media reports it as a win. They'll call it Biden and the Democrats and Congress's win. It's the Democrats' win. But if you look on Fox News, they'll call it a spree, as in like a spending spree from a Fox headline. Pelosi and House Dems hold news conference after Biden's spending spree approved. Now, obviously, Fox is is more of a conservative news source. They favor the Republicans. So when the Democrats do something that's a win for them, Fox doesn't want to call it a win. So the word they use is they call it a spree. That's what they put in a headline that came across my phone. By the way, I'll, I'll call that fake news on Fox's part. You could objectively say that Biden got a win with this infrastructure bill passing. That that was a win for him. It was a goal that he wanted to accomplish and he did. Whether it's nowny gobbledygook or not, it is a win for him and his team. So I could I could see the argument that the media could call it a win. So Fox here doesn't want to call it a win, but they don't just call it um they don't just say the bill passed or anything like that. They call it a spree. Well, that's kind of more a non-objective language. That's more of loaded language. So I'd call that fake news on Fox's part. But you just see how the media, and I would never say it's only the liberal media that does this. Conservative media does it all the time too. They use terms that have meanings that are specifically good or bad or make you think of good or bad things. And they use that to change the way that you think about a news story. So when Fox uses the word spree, you know, the, the, you never use spree to talk about something good. <laughs> you call it a, a spending spree, a killing spree. Spree is not like a, uh, there might be a candy called spree and those taste kind of good. But in general, spree is not something that you associate with wisdom or goodness. But whenever Biden and the House Dems and, and Nancy Pelosi and all them, when they got this win, Fox called it a spree. This is how people use language to mislead the public. And along those same lines, along those same lines, let me talk about something else here. The filibuster. Um, that's been something that's been in the news a bit lately. So when the Democrats are in charge, one way that they can be stopped from pushing through whatever they want is through a procedure in the Congress called a filibuster. And it, like in the Senate, basically you only need 50 plus one votes, 51 votes to pass something, okay? That's all you really need is just a simple majority to pass a law in the Senate. But in order to even put it down for a vote, to even vote on something, you have to get through the filibuster. And you need to overcome a threshold of 60 votes just to get something down to the level where you can vote on it. It only takes a simple majority to pass something, but you need 60 people to agree that it's time to vote on it before you can vote on it. So basically, if the Republicans don't want something to, to be voted on, then all they have to do is stop it at the filibuster level. You, you just need at least, basically right now, you only need 10 Republicans. You need at least 10 Republicans to go along with voting on something to let it even be voted on. So as long as you got 41 Republicans who don't want something to pass, it's not going to pass right now. If that's a little bit complicated, just look up how a filibuster works. That is how the filibuster works, though. That's what it was designed to do, is to stop something from being voted on 
not just by a simple majority, but you need to have kind of a super majority of people who are willing to even let it go down to the floor for a vote. That's how the filibuster works. Okay, that is how it is used. I, I'm saying it's how it's used because MSNBC, this is what they report on the filibuster because Republicans are using the filibuster in the way it was always intended, the way it was designed. They're using it in that way. So MSNBC puts out a headline, continued Republican abuse of filibuster begins to change, change minds on reform in the Senate. There's pressure on the Democratic Party to get rid of the filibuster entirely so they can just push through whatever they want. The reason that would be stupid is because a couple years from now, the Democrats are going to be out of power. Republicans will be in power. And if the filibuster is gone, then Republicans can do whatever they want. So that'd be so, so stupid to get rid of the filibuster at this time, knowing that's just going to backfire on you in a couple of years. But there's been all this pressure on Democrats from the media to just get rid of the filibuster, nuke the filibuster, they call it, in order to let them do whatever they want. So as the media reports on this, it said, continued Republican abuse of filibuster. They don't call it use of filibuster, even though, again, it's just being used in the way it was originally designed. They don't call it use, they call it abuse. See how that one little word change entirely changes the way that someone is going to perceive what Republicans are doing. If Republicans are just using the filibuster in the way it was designed and the way it was always intended, if they're just using it, then that's just politics as usual. But if they're abusing it, that makes it sound like they're using it in some way that it was not intended. They're using it in the way it was in always intended. But they call it abusing it because they want to make the Democrats or they, they want to make the Republicans look like they're doing something sinister by using it in the normal way. And the media is so short-sighted on this. They don't realize, they must realize this. I don't know, they don't. If you get rid of the filibuster, that might be good for 2021 or 2022. But next time Republicans are in power, which will not be long from now, next time Republicans are in power, then they get to do whatever they want. And the Democrats can't filibuster it. Okay, here's a, here's a writer from the LA Times, and he's talking about filibusters and why he wants to get rid of them. And he says, remind me, why do we need the filibuster? This is John Healy of the LA Times, his headline on his opinion piece. He says, remind me, why do we need the filibuster? Because he's trying to pressure the Democrats to get rid of their filibuster. But this was what he said two years ago. Same author, same publication, the LA Times. Two years ago, he says... Democrats would be crazy to kill the filibuster. <laughs> Two years ago, he's saying Democrats would be crazy to kill the filibuster. Today, he says, remind me, why do we need the filibuster? <laughs> because what he wants the Democrats to do changes year to year, and he doesn't think about where things are going to be two years from now or two years ago. He doesn't even think about what he said two years ago. If he needs reminded why we need the filibuster, go read what you wrote, John Healy, two years ago. <laughs> just because the political winds shifted in 2020 doesn't mean they're not going to shift back and probably very soon. So short-sighted. Okay, let's talk about another word that Democrats, I'll say abuse, a word that they abuse. Is it the word I diversity? Okay, diversity is so misused and abused by the media, by the Democratic left, 
NBC News reports a city in Michigan is apparently the first in the nation to elect an all-Muslim city council, reflecting a more racially diverse landscape in local governance. So in other words, it's an all-Muslim city council, and NBC calls it diverse. They call it diverse. If you don't realize what's wrong with that, it's because you've probably just been kind of indoctrinated into how the media decided to start using the word diverse for the past few years. Um, Diverse, let me just read it from the dictionary that I bought, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary from 2002. Okay, it says, diverse means differing from one another, composed of distinct or unlike elements. All right. Diverse means things that are different from each other. So if you have an all-Muslim city council, that is by definition not diverse. But the way Democrats and the media want to use the word diverse nowadays is to mean non-white. Anytime something has non-white people in it, they say it's more diverse. Those are not the same thing. If you have all black people or all Hispanic people, that is the same as all white people as far as diversity is concerned. Because diversity has a specific meaning. And I read that, I checked it in the dictionary from 2002, I read that definition. If you look at Merriam-Webster today, It's actually the same definition. That has not changed in the dictionary, but the way that the media and the Democrats, which are all the same, the way that they use it is different from how the dictionary defines it. When the media says diverse, they mean not white people. So to them, an all-Muslim city council is so diverse. (laughs) When There's no diversity that's 0% diverse, okay? It reminds me of a few years ago, when the movie Black Panther came out and it had an all-black cast and the media was going nuts about how diverse their cast was because it was all-black people. Well, that's actually... I don't have a problem with them making a movie with all-black people, of course, but that's not diversity. That's the opposite of diversity. Uh, Back when I was a teenager and the show Lost was on TV, I think I got a TV guide one time and I remember it talking about how Lost had the the most diverse cast on television. Because on Lost, I mean, they had they had white guys and black guys and Muslims and Hispanic and I, I probably an Asian an Asian couple. So they had it was a Korean couple. They th- that would be diversity because that's a lot of different types of people as far as race is concerned. A uh, lot of different types of people. So that would actually be diversity. But that's when I was a teenager, when the world was a little bit more sane. And today, diverse just means to the media, not white. So you could have all people, the same race, same religion, all thinking the same way, most likely. Okay, all having the same ideology propelling them. And that would be considered diversity by our lying media. Okay? That's our lying media. It's brainwashing. Because when I was in college, diversity was described as this, it was a quality to be desired. Whatever workplace you were in, if you were in in a journalist newsroom, they would say you want to have diversity. Because they'd say, you know, then you have different people's experiences and everyone can contribute. It was seen as good to be racially diverse. Well, the, I mean, again, I don't care what people's races are. I really don't. I think it's more important to be intellectually diverse, to have people who think different ways. I don't think it's that important to have people with different skin colors. I don't see that as really as important as having people. I would rather have a room full of all white or all Mexican or whatever all people the same skin color who think differently, I think that would be more beneficial than a room full of people who 
have all kinds of different races and sexual orientations and all that, and yet they all think the exact same way. That's probably the more of the situation what's going on in the media. You might have a newsroom with people of all kinds of different skin colors, all different sexual orientations, all, you know, men and women, all that, but they all think the exact same way. It's all a groupthink thing in their newsroom. Nobody has different opinions from the person sitting next to them or across from them. So then when they put a big fat lie, like the wrong definition of diversity in their headline, none of them are going to catch it. It's just going to go through and no one's going to catch the mistake that they're using diverse the wrong way because they all think the same. And they all basically, they all have this um, to be non-white is good mentality. Okay. In other words, to be white is bad. It's something that you don't desire. That's brainwashing. It's brainwashing against white people. Even white people buy into it. So diversity is one of the most misunderstood words nowadays. And I don't think diversity in general should even be something to be necessarily desired. I think it should be irrelevant unless we're talking about intellectual diversity. Because that's actually a lot more important. I think what someone thinks is a lot more important than what their skin color is on the outside. I care more about what someone thinks. I think that's what Martin Luther King Jr. wanted us to do. So why don't we look at who people are on the inside? Because that matters more than what they look like on the outside. I'm totally on board with that. So diversity. Please stick to, at least for now, what the dictionary still says. And use the term correctly. The media won't, but just don't let them brainwash you. Okay, let's talk about some follow-up to the Kyle Rittenhouse case from last week. I've never really seen anything like this in my life. Um, the facts are available. The The verdict has come in. Okay. I didn't need the verdict to come in to tell me that Kyle acted in self-defense because I saw the video last year. So I knew basically from day one or whatever day it was that I saw the video, I knew from right then basically what had gone down. Now, the, some more facts have came out since then, but it hasn't changed what we saw on the video. So for many of us, I've kind of known all along like where this thing should go. Nothing in the trial came out that changed my perspective on the case. And now he has been found innocent. So legally, Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent. If you need to know about the whole Kyle Rittenhouse case, if you haven't been paying attention to it, I did do a whole episode on, episode on it last week. So go back and listen to that if you need to. Here's what I've never seen anything like before. The facts are now out there. The verdict has come in. A lot of their lies that they told before the trial was done have been disproven. And yet the media is continuing to tell the exact same lines that they, lies that they said before, the same lies today that they were telling before this whole thing even got resolved. They've been telling the same lies, just repeating the same false information as if nothing's changed. He's legally been found. And now he can actually sue them when they call him... Uh, when they say all kinds of false things about him after he's been found innocent, man, that gives him a lot of firepower to sue some of these people for defamation of character because now the, the facts were out before, but now even legally he's been found, uh, he's been acquitted. He's been found not guilty. So when they repeat the same lies, you know, to, to prove that someone had, uh, to prove that someone intentionally defamed your character, you have to show that they were malicious. He's, he's been given a lot of firepower to show that these media companies are malicious in the way they've targeted him. He hasn't announced a lawsuit against anyone yet. I'm sure it's coming. He hasn't done that yet, probably because he's still giving them some more rope to hang themselves on <laughs> because they won't just stop with 
They can't just stop lying. All right, and this is so coordinated. Let me give you some, here's a series of headlines from during the trial. And I wanna just focus in on the word choice that they used. Um, one of the people who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse, his name was Gage Groserwitz. Groserwitz, I don't know how to say it. I'll just call him Gage, it's his first name. So Gage went on the stand to testify about why Kyle's a bad guy and why he had a right to try to kill Kyle. He tried to kill Kyle that night. Kyle shot him first, shot him in the arm. Gage survived. Here's how CNN reports it from CNN. Here, the lone survivor shot by Kyle Rittenhouse testify in court. They call Gage the lone survivor. Okay. CBS lone survivor shot by Kyle Rittenhouse at Kenosha protests thought he was going to die. ABC lone survivor shot by Kyle Rittenhouse testifies. Okay. They're all, this is why I say it's coordinated. They're all using the same phrase, the same words to describe Grage Groceritz, this loser who was a Black Lives Matter protester that night who had a gun, pointed it at Kyle's face when Kyle had done nothing to him, pointed it at Kyle, and Kyle actually got his gun off first. Good for Kyle. Saved his life. Because obviously Gage was going to try to kill him. So Gage saves his life, shoots this guy who was trying to kill him, shoots him in the arm, so Gage actually survives. And how does the media call Gage? What does it call Gage? It calls him the lone survivor. Now, by the way, that's not even a true statement because there were a lot of survivors of people who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse that night. Several people were chasing and attacking him at that night that he defended himself. He only shot three people who were all three. They were trying to attack him. All three people were. But there were lots of survivors because there were several people who chased and attacked Kyle that he never shot. So it's not even true to call him a lone survivor. But anyway, look at the coordination of how all the media, there were more of them saying lone survivor. I just pulled three. Several people saying lone survivor because they wanted to give this impression that Kyle was just mowing people down and this guy was the one survivor. Not even true. You know what? This Kyle Rittenhouse case would be so, it's so simple. It's not even a complicated case, really. Last week when I told you about it, I kind of like, I know you'd probably heard about it in the news anyway, but I I just kind of retold the story. It took me about five minutes. And then I had to spend an hour going through all the lies that the media tells and disproving all the junk that they're trying to tell people about it. I could spend five minutes explaining the case, the situation, and then I had to spend an hour explaining all the media lies. And here I am doing it again. And they're still lying. Even after the case is resolved, they're still telling lie after lie. The, the politicians are, the Democratic politicians are lying. And the media is just repeating that same false info. Some I don't know who this was. It was some publication in Detroit. They, they put out, after he was found innocent, Rittenhouse was 17 when he carried an AR-style semi-automatic rifle. By the way, AR style, it was an AR-15. They're just going to call it an AR style semi-automatic rifle. <laughs> They're probably doing that because in years past, every time there was a shooting, they would the media would say it was shot, there was an AR-15 used in the shooting. Like every time there was a shooting, they'd say it was an AR-15 because they were trying to demonize the AR-15. Well, <laughs> they got in trouble for falsely stating it, that an AR-15 was used in all these shootings. Now, when an AR-15 actually was used, they're just calling it an AR-style semi-automatic rifle. Anyway, it wasn't actually an AR-15. So Rittenhouse was 17, blah, 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 when he carried it on the streets of Kenosha during a turbulent protest against racial injustice in the summer of 2020 
and opened fire on demonstrators. They say he opened fire on demonstrators. He shot people who were trying to kill him in the street. He tried to run away. He tripped and fell. They swarmed him. You know, it's kind of funny when I when I would watch like action movies, sometimes you'd see the good guy and he's literally like surrounded by like 20 of the bad guys. And it always cracks me up in in action movies like when there's 20 bad guys surrounding the good guy, they'll just all attack him one at a time. <laughs> just one will attack the good guy and he'll get defeated. And then one or two go by themselves and they get defeated. They never just all attack at the same time, which would make the movie a lot shorter <laughs> if they would do that. They never just all attack at once. They always do it one at a time. I'm always like, gosh, that's so cheesy and illogical. Why are they all just attacking one at a time? Then here we were in real life. A crowd of people is chasing Kyle down the street. And when he trips and falls, they all just start attacking him one at a time. <laughs> it was just like in the movies I'm always making fun of. For some reason, they all just decide to do it one. Now, it, all, it did happen in quick succession. So it was very impressive how Kyle was able to, um, he didn't just spray his bullets wildly. He was very controlled in how he only attacked people who attacked him. And again, it wasn't all the people who attacked him. But it's only the people who were attacking him that he shot at. And he only shot three of them. All three of which were trying to attack him. But it just cracks me up. It's just like in the movies where people just decide they're going to do one at a time. <laughs> it never works out for him in the movies. And it didn't work out for him. Thank God it did not work out for him that night that they tried to kill Kyle in the streets. So that Detroit publication just describes that whole situation that I just went through again. They describe it as... He opened fire. So dishonest. So dishonest. The Independent, a, U a UK publication. Here's what they put in their headline. Teenager who shot three black men with rifle found not guilty on all charges. The Independent reports that he shot three black men. Flat out lie. That just shows you that they are not getting their... They did not watch the video. They're not getting their information from... They're getting their information from Democrat politicians who lied to them. Because this is a lie of the Democrat politicians. They say that the men that Kyle shot that night were black. Not true. Not a single one was black. There was a black guy who attacked Kyle who did not get shot. They call him Jump Kick Man. If you heard them referencing Jump Kick Man because they did not know his identity at the time of the trial. Uh, they kept calling him Jump Kick Man. That was a black dude who attacked Kyle and did not get shot. Okay. None of the people Kyle shot were black. The Independent just flat out lies. It says teenager who shot three black men with rifle found not guilty on all charges. Great job, Independent. Joy Reid, who works for MSNBC, a so-called journalist, she put out in the Rittenhouse case, the 13th juror was the judge. They're still trying to blame the judge for how the case didn't go the way that they wanted. MSNBC reported, Kyle Rittenhouse claimed self-defense. The law makes that hard to disprove. Well, if you, from the very beginning, if you were not using the law to determine whether Kyle was innocent or guilty, what were, what were you using? They were using their imaginations. <laughs> all these people saying that he was guilty all along were obviously not going by what the law says, which is that you can defend yourself, which is a basic human understanding. It's in every law, probably going back in all civilization. As long as guns have been around, it's never been legal that you're just allowed to lay in the street while people come over and shoot you and you're not allowed to do anything. That's never been legal <laughs> in any country, anywhere. 
Okay. We're going to give some more on the Kyle stuff later, actually, in our Beyond the Headline. I would like to stop with the Kyle Rittenhouse case. I would like to move on. When the media stops lying, I'll stop talking about their lies, okay? That's the only reason my podcast here exists. When the media stops being fake news, I would have no podcast. I'd have nothing to talk about. As long as they're going to be fake news, I can still do a podcast about all their lying. Let's do a few more. Let's just talk about word choice a little bit more here today. Um, I'll try to go a little bit quicker now. <laughs> Time Magazine reports, Vanessa Nakati wants climate justice for Africa. When they try to push through these new economic policies and they say we need to do this because of climate change, now what they're calling it is climate justice. So if you're against whatever economic policy they propose, now you're against justice. That's not even a politician telling you that. That's Time Magazine on their front page. Vanessa Nakati wants climate justice for Africa. I, I don't know if that was front page. I think it was their front page, but I, I can't remember for sure. I'm just pointing out, they call it climate justice in the headline. EOS.org, they put out an article, a, a story about, said mammoths lost their steep habitat to climate change. Okay, so climate change killed the mammoths. Same thing they say is going to kill all of humanity. AOC says it's going to be in like 10 or 12 years. <laughs> it's the same thing that killed the mammoths, guys. Climate change. That's the scary thing they want you to be afraid of. Speaking of climate change, this was kind of a funny thing. On Thanksgiving Day, CNN totally destroyed the entire argument in favor of being afraid of climate change. Okay, their whole argument about climate change is that it's man-made, that the that mankind has produced so much CO2 into the atmosphere that it's causing our world to heat up to a degree that many people are going to die in a in a short span of time because and and that we need to stop producing so much CO2 because Otherwise, humanity won't have a chance to survive in the future, okay? This whole thing that it's a man-made, man-caused on climate change, CNN completely undermined all that with this story they put out on Thanksgiving. Here's the headline. The Arctic Ocean began warming decades earlier than previously thought, new research shows. Now they're saying the, the Arctic Ocean started warming up like 100 years ago, before we started producing all the CO2 that we do today. And so if that's true, if that's, and I want to assume it's true, and I'll tell you why in a second. If that's true, that undermines all the claims that climate change today is caused by mankind, and that therefore, that there's things mankind could do to stop climate change. See, if it was caused by mankind, if the problem was caused by men, then men could fix it. But if it, actually started warming up decades before what, they're be what they've been telling us all this time, then that means it's not something caused by mankind. And probably something that changing the economic policies or joining the Paris Climate Accord is not going to do anything to, to fix it. <laughs> so CNN totally undermines all the scare they've been putting out on climate change. And here's why I'm saying this is probably true, what this article they put out on Thanksgiving, because they put it out on Thanksgiving. They put it out on a day when no one's reading the news. I'm not sure why they reported on it in the first place. Maybe the, so they could say later, oh, we didn't ignore that. We did report it. But they saved it for a day when no one's paying attention to the media because everyone's having Thanksgiving dinner with their family. That's the day they decide to report this. 
So they're probably just trying to slip it in where nobody would notice. And then they could claim, if anyone calls them on it later, they can claim, oh yeah, we reported on that. They deliberately put that out at a time that's one of the lowest media days of the year as far as what, what their readership is going to be. So that's how you know it's probably true. Because the only time CNN is going to tell you the truth is when they think no one's looking. <laughs> that's how you can know it's true. That's the only time CNN is going to be honest. If no one's looking, they'll, they'll whisper the truth and just hope you don't notice. Okay, some more about word choice. Woke. Woke is this stupid term that the left came up with. And now they're embarrassed by it because it's an embarrassing term that they've proudly worn, you know, on their sleeve all this time. Now they're trying to undo the term woke. Nicole Hannah-Jones, she's a fiction writer for the New York Times. Hopefully you've never heard of her anyway. Nicole Hannah-Jones tweets out, The use of the word wokeness and or woke by journalists is lazy and biased and counts on the reader or the viewer filling in with his or her own stereotypes. Okay? AOC, a Democrat politician. She, she tweets the same day or the same weekend. This is a couple weekends ago. She tweets, Woke is a term pundits are now using as a derogatory euphemism for civil rights and justice. Here's Joel Anderson. He's a writer for Slate. That's a far-left publication on the internet. Joel Anderson tweets, If you're not black and started using the word woke pejoratively, he says, I think it's fair to consider it a racial slur. <laughs> you're, you're racist if you call people woke, which is the term they came up with, by the way. Now you're racist if you use it. And then he followed that up with a threat of violence. He said, it doesn't mean I'm going to do anything to you or that anyone else will, but it doesn't mean I won't either. Oh my goodness. This nut job. And then someone asked, by the way, I know that didn't sound very violent necessarily. Someone asked if he meant violence. He said, well, man, sometimes violence or threatening it is the answer, I gotta say. So they're embarrassed. The word woke is a stupid word. It, it is. It's a stupid, it's an embarrassing word. That's why I love calling woke people woke. Because <laughs> just the name that they came up with for themselves is so lame and dumb sounding. Okay, so anyway, they're trying to get away from it now. And again, it's coordinated. The Democrats and the media coordinated that, obviously, because they picked. They all picked the same weekend to start complaining about this. So you know they've been having meetings behind closed doors talking about how they need to work on their public perception and they want to get away from the, the word woke now, their own word. Let's talk about Waukesha for a few minutes. And I'm sure you heard, uh, like, last weekend, I think it was, last weekend there was a parade going on and someone drove their car into the parade hit like 60 people. Five or six of them have died now. One of them who died was a child. Very, very sad, tragic. I don't know if tragic is the word, actually. It was a tragedy, especially for the families, but it was not an accident. This was actually intentional on the part of the driver of this SUV. Now, when this first happened, a lot of people figured it was intentional because you don't just accidentally drive into a crowd with 60 people. But And it, there's video of this this guy speeding up as he approached the crowd. So you don't just do that on accident. But we, you know, of course we had to wait for the facts to come out. So as it, as it was, as the facts were coming out, first it came out that there were three black guys in the SUV. And then that turned out to not be true. But a few hours later, it turned out there was a black guy just by himself. As far as I know, just one black guy driving the SUV. And we have not been given any information on the motive of this guy. 
as soon as it came out that there was a black guy driving this vehicle, the story, the media just tried to disappear it as quick as they could. And they started, they did not call it an attack. They did not want to call it uh, the massacre, which is what it was. No, they're trying to call it an accident or a car crash. This was not an accident. That's not the language you use whenever someone intentionally murders a bunch of other people. You don't call it a car crash or an accident. This was intentional. He sped up on video when he saw the crowd. So they tried to say, oh, he's on the run from the cops. He's on the run from uh, another altercation he was involved with. Well, that turned out to not even be true, but that doesn't explain why someone sped up to drive into a crowd. When you're trying to get away from the cops, you don't drive into other people. That's just going to slow you down. You don't intentionally drive into a crowd of people. This guy was trying to kill as many people as he could. Now, why? I don't know. He's probably on drugs or something. He's, you know, he's all screwed up in the head. Uh, but the media tried to misreport this, I guess because it was a black guy who did it. You know, I don't, I, it's hard to say why, because they're not giving information. There's, it's really hard to find information on this guy. On MSNBC, th someone said this on their show. They called the Waukesha massacre an accident. CNN called it an incident in no less than five tweets. They called it an incident. Twice they called it the parade crash. WKYT, they say, Daryl Brooks Jr. missed a turn and never touched the brakes when he barreled through the Waukesha parade. I think it's, it's probably pronounced Waukesha, I think. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Killing six people and injuring more than 60 others. They say he missed a turn and never touched the brakes. No, he sped up and intentionally tried to kill as many people as he could. This might have been literally a terrorist action. And I say that because we use the word terrorist to describe attempted massacres or massacres. We use that word to describe those things when they are ideologically motivated. Like the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the Muslims who did this believed that America was the great Satan. They believed they would go to heaven if they killed as many infidels as they could. So when they flew those airplanes into the towers, they were motivated by an ideology, okay? And when someone commits a terrible mass killing like this and they're motivated by an ideology, we'll use the word terrorist usually to describe that. Now, over the past few years, the media in the Democrat Party, but I repeat myself, they've started to get very upset about the fact that whenever they, the word terrorist is used, it never refers to white people for mass killings. Well, the reason is, any, when a white person does commit an act of evil and kill several people, a lot of times, usually it's not an ideologically motivated thing. So if a white, say a, a white supremacist, which is not something I think is a, a huge problem or issue in this country, but when a white supremacist kills multiple people in some kind of terror attack or tries to, I, I'm okay with calling that a terror attack. If they are actually motivated by an evil racist ideology, I'm okay with calling that a terror attack. But I'm just saying that doesn't characterize most of the time when a white person commits an act of mass violence. That doesn't usually characterize it. Because terrorist has, historically, it's had a meaning. It's had a, a definition behind it or an understanding that this refers to an ideologically motivated violent attack. So anyway, it might be fair to call this attack by Daryl Brooks Jr. a terrorist action because it seems that he was a, actually a black supremacist. Now, I'm not saying that black supremacist... Here's the dirty little secret. 
black supremacists are actually pretty, um, I'm not going to say common, but it's pretty socially acceptable to be a black supremacist in this country. White supremacist is, of course, a huge no-no for obvious reasons. But to be a black supremacist, you usually get a pass on that. Now, I think that's dumb. I'm against any kind of racial supremacy of any kind. But I'm saying by the media, by the left, they'll usually give you a pass on being a black supremacist. It appears that Daryl Brooks Jr. was a black supremacist because he was putting out stuff like this on his social media. He said to knock old white people the F out. It's what he put on his social, on his Facebook, I think. Knock old white people the F out. And he claimed that black people were the, the true Hebrews. And that is this one of the black supremacist um, groups, the black Hebrew Israelites is what they call themselves. He might have been a member of one of those cults where they believe black people are the true Hebrews. He said that, he claimed that on his social media. Also on his social media, he claimed that Hitler was right, that the Jews Hitler was killing were the fake Jews. So it appears this guy was some kind of, he had some kind of ideology, and perhaps that propelled him to drive his crowd into a parade full of mostly white people. By the way, this happened in Wisconsin, less than an hour from Kenosha, Wisconsin, where the trial had just, the verdict had just been handed out in the Kyle Rittenhouse case that Kyle was found innocent, or not guilty, acquitted. That had just come out two days before, less than an hour away over in Waukesha, Daryl Brooks, a black man, who seems to be some kind of black supremacist, drives his car into a crowd of white people. Okay? I don't know for sure that that was his motivation, but it seems like a fair question. If we had a fair media, they would be asking that question. They will declare Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist when there was no evidence he was a white supremacist, and he and he's not. Obviously now, it's obviously he was not, because by now, some of his social media would have said that. So without any basis at all, they like to claim that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. But on this guy, who seems to be a black supremacist, nope, they're not going to ask any questions at all about whether that motivated him to commit this evil act. So I, hopefully the truth will come out at some point. All I'm saying really about that is, why are, they, why are they trying to cover this up? Why are they calling it an accident? On Wikipedia, they, they have a page describing this event. They call it the 2021 Waukesha Christmas Parade Car Crash. They call it a car crash which killed five people and injured dozens more. They just call it a car crash. On Wikipedia, if you look at where in 2017, there was a white supremacist rally in like North Carolina and one person got killed by a car being driven into someone else. Did they call that a car crash? The Wikipedia page on that says Charlottesville car attack. Charlottesville car attack. One person gets killed by a white supremacist is called a car attack. A black supremacist kills five or six people now. Dozens more are injured. That's called a car crash. See how they lie to you with the words that they use? The word choice. The main idea for today is that words matter. They used to anyway. No, they do. Words matter. But the media and the left keeps redefining words and using deceptive language to confuse the public, to confuse you. And try to make you believe things that are not true. Fox News reported, and this is not fake news on the part of Fox this time. They're just reporting something Anthony Fauci said. I'm just going to read you a quote 
from Fox News. Dr. Anthony Fauci has cautioned that health officials may change the definition of fully vaccinated to include COVID-19 booster shots, if the data suggests it. Fauci is saying they might, they might change the definition, outright saying that, of what fully vaccinated is. Because they, they want to change the definition to go along with whatever they're pushing for right now. So you, you might have been fully vaccinated in 2021, but in 2022, you're not fully vaccinated anymore. Because to them, changing definitions and changing the meanings of words, that's, that's just their, that's their job to them. That's what they think they're supposed to do it all the time. Uh, and another news article here. This is talking about looting. This was reported by ABC7 News. ABC7news.com if you want to find it. Uh, they're in San Francisco, apparently. Bay Area police departments have called what... Oh, let me set this up <laughs> before I talk about it. So after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict came down a week or two ago, uh, there was then there was an explosion of um, looting, not in Kenosha because they had the National Guard there, but more of the, the riots and looting that happened last year with Black Lives Matter. There was a mini explosion of that in some of the big cities, including in Portland. But again, that's just every weekend in Portland. But there was more of the looting going on. I guess looting, that's what these lowlifes do when they think they can get away with it and something happens that they don't agree with, like with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing or the George Floyd situation. You see a bunch of lowlifes who don't believe in God. Here's why I say that. They think there's no accountability for their actions, so they're just going to go out and steal from department stores. And they think they just have this right to. It's not a black or white thing because black people, white people, all kinds of people were doing this last year and doing it again last weekend. They think there's no accountability and that they can just get away with it. That's why I say they don't believe in God because God holds everyone accountable. That's what people do when they don't believe in God. They think they have no accountability. They'll just do whatever they can get away with. So they're literally getting away with a bunch of looting lately, going into fancy department stores and just taking whatever they want. So how does the media cover this act of lawlessness going on in our country? Bay Area police departments have called what happened at various retail stores this weekend looting. We saw similar crimes happen in the wake of the George Floyd protests. But are the past weekend's crimes truly considered looting? Race and social justice reporter Julian Glover is here to give us some important, some context of looting. So they're just trying to redefine looting because it's associated with Black Lives Matter and their lawlessness and crookedness. Are we at a point now, like with this and with the Daryl Brooks story and Waukesha, are, like, are we at a point in our media where they're just going to downplay or not report about things that people do on the basis of their race. Like, I guess when a white person does something, they're going to jump to all kinds of conclusions about the white person. But when a black person does something that's like equally the as, as egregious or whatever, when a black person does something, they're going to just try to downplay it and cover it up. I mean, are we at that point now with the media? It's like, maybe people would say, oh, well, we've been at that point for a while. I don't know. This feels like a new low as far as like media lying. This feels like a new low to me. But that is, that's apparently where we are. Okay, hang around. I want to talk about a, uh, I want to do a beyond the headline segment for this week. I want to give you the, the worst take that I saw from the aftermath of the Kyle Rittenhouse drama. I want to give you the worst take that I found. So I'm going to give you that. Hang around and we will cover that in just a few minutes. 
Before I close down later, I do want to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way. Whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. Also stay in touch throughout the week on Twitter at Fake News Weekly. Got a few new people there on the Twitter this week. And so it's still a small audience, but I want it to grow. So come join us. If I can't do a show for some reason, I will put it on the Twitter account. That's That'd be where you can get that latest information if we have to skip a week. If you're like wondering on Friday or Saturday, where's my fake news, fiery, but mostly peaceful podcast episode, check the Twitter. That's where I'll give you an update. Also, if you like Bible studies or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I have another podcast. It's called Cross References. It really has nothing to do with news or current events, but it's it's what I actually consider my main podcast, and it has new episodes on Mondays. So just go look up cross-references on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast. You can also find my other one, and uh, we'd love to have you join in over there too. Okay, let's talk about now, uh, let's do a Beyond the Headline, and we're going to discuss uh, this opinion piece from MSNBC. It was written by someone named Glenn Kirshner. Glenn Kirshner, I didn't look him up, but I guess he has some kind of legal background. And he's he's given his opinion on he's giving his opinion on the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. And here's the headline. Kyle Rittenhouse's not guilty verdicts make perfect sense in America's judicial system. Now <laughs> again, I think I covered this earlier. A lot of us knew he was not guilty from the moment we saw the video in 2020. It was all on video. And of course, it's always possible that some other context could come out that would change the way we viewed the situation. That never happened, though. Even in all the trial, no new information came out that really added to what we saw in the video in the first place. So here is what Glenn Kirshner says. Now he says, after the trial has found him not guilty, now he says, well, that makes perfect sense in our judicial system. Well, that made perfect sense to us a year ago, those of us who had eyes and knew how the law worked. But as you can see, a lot of people in the media don't know how the law works or just believe what they want to believe. They see a white man shooting some Black Lives Matter protesters and they just assume all kinds of terrible things. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing from Glenn Kirshner, but here's one thing he said. He says, I, for one, talking about the trial, he said, I was stunned when the judge Bruce Schrader, when he ruled that prosecutors could not refer to the three men Rittenhouse shot as victims, but that the defense attorneys could refer to them as looters, rioters, and arsonists. Okay, again, with this whole idea of word choice today, and the judge said you have to use some specific language to describe the people that Kyle shot. Or in other, not, not that there's specific language you have to use, but that there's certain things you can't use. So they told the prosecution, you can't refer to the men who were shot as victims. Now, there's a logical reason why that is, that Glenn Kirshner is too too dumb to actually understand, apparently. He, I, I guess he's a legal expert for MSNBC, but he doesn't understand this basic distinction I'm about to tell you. The people that Kyle shot are not victims until and unless he's found guilty of their murders. Now, if he murdered those people, then they are victims. But if they were trying to kill him and he shot them in self-defense, as was evident on the video then they are not, by definition, victims. 
it would be a lie to call them victims because they brought that on themselves. They tried to kill someone. If you try to attack or harm or kill someone and they shoot you in self-defense, you're not a victim. That's, that's how the law has always been and how it always will be. Because it doesn't make sense to say <laughs> that you just have to lay in the road and let people shoot you if they want. That's not how it works. Glenn Kirshner, the legal expert at MSNBC, has no idea what he's talking about. He's upset that the men cannot be referred to by the prosecution as victims. Well, that's because if Kyle is innocent, and that was being determined at that point, if Kyle was innocent of shooting them, if he shot them in self-defense, which is a lawful way to use your gun, then they could not be called victims. So to refer to them as victims to the jury would have been to skew the case. It would have been using charged language. It would have been using loaded terms, okay? Picking a word that had a certain meaning to try to influence the jury. And the prosecution wasn't allowed to do that. They weren't allowed to tell lies to influence the jury, basically. So the judge ruled they couldn't be called victims, but Glenn Kirshner's upset because the defense was allowed to refer to them as looters, rioters, and arsonists. Okay, well, the reason you can use those terms, Glenn Kirshner, MSNBC, is because those words literally applied to the men that Kyle shot. They were literally looters. They were literally rioting. They were literally setting stuff on fire. That means they are looters, rioters, and arsonists. And the prosecution admits that too. That, I mean, that that is what they were. So that's not, <laughs> that's not emotional language. That's not obscuring the truth. It is the literal truth. In the courtroom, the judge ruled that you had to tell the literal truth to the jury. Glenn Kirshner doesn't like the literal truth. So he complains about it. This is the worst take I saw on the whole Kyle Rittenhouse takes. And there were a lot of bad takes. And a lot of bad takes on MSNBC. But this one was the worst. <laughs> so this is what Glenn Kirshner continues with. By allowing the defense attorneys to use the words they wanted and denying prosecutors the opportunity to use the words they wanted, the judge gave the defense the opportunity to create a perception that the folks who were shot deserved it or brought it on themselves. And in so doing, demonstrated a kind of judicial favoritism that I rarely saw in my 30 years of prosecuting cases. Well, Glenn's either a total moron No, actually, that's all I can come up with. He just must be a total moron. If he's been involved in legal cases for 30 years and he he doesn't understand the difference in calling someone a victim when it hasn't been determined that they were a victim and calling someone an arsonist when they have been determined to be an arsonist, if he doesn't see the difference in those two things, he's just a moron. Glenn Kirshner continues, The jury's resolution of the charges may also have been complicated by the wildly divergent views of the case based not on facts, but on the politics or ideology of the person following the case. Okay, now that is true. People who are more liberal in their viewpoints were more likely to see Kyle as this white supremacist murderer, and people who are more conservative were more likely to side with Kyle. Now, of course, our personal biases that we bring into any situation, that can influence how we view what happened in the situation. Absolutely. But I want you to notice something about this situation. The conservatives who watched the video and came away with the right conclusion that the jury also found, okay, who are supposed to be these impartial observers, the conservatives were actually right from the very beginning. 
They were never colored by their ideology on viewing the facts of this case. And I think part of that is because conservatives have a better understanding of the law, how laws are to be followed, how self-defense applies, and gun rights and gun laws. Democrats, it seems, don't have an understanding of the very thing that they criticize a lot. You actually see this a lot with people like Don Lemon. They go on CNN to complain about gun laws, but then they demonstrate with their vocabulary they don't actually know how guns work. They improperly use gun terms. We'll talk about that maybe someday. But they don't understand what they're talking about. So Glenn Kirshner's right that sometimes your your view on a situation can be colored by the ideology behind it. But um, that did not seem to be the case with this. It seemed that the conservatives could see the facts from the very beginning. And to use some examples, um, when George Floyd was, he, you know, the person who who was arresting George Floyd, I can't remember, uh, Derek Chauvin, I think, he was found guilty of murder. Okay, you didn't really see a lot of conservatives complaining about that. They didn't just say, oh, well, uh, it was a white guy, so he should have been found innocent. It was a black guy, so he must have done something wrong. You know, you didn't really see conservatives throw a big fit whenever Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder for that. They were willing to say, okay, yeah, that that was, he acted pretty improperly in arresting George Floyd. And they were willing to go along with it. Another black man who was shot by white people, uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Well, the people who shot Ahmaud and killed him were all three found guilty of murder this week. They claimed that they shot in self-defense. Did you see conservatives freak out about that? And say, oh, well, they were white and he was black, so they must have been right and he must have been wrong. You didn't see that from conservatives. They were willing. It's same situation, just the races were kind of reversed. Well, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, race really didn't matter anyway. But with the Ahmaud Arbery case, they didn't just side with the white guy. The conservatives were totally fine with the jury finding those men guilty of murder. Because it sounds from all accounts that they didn't murder him. So conservatives don't just look at someone's skin color and jump to a conclusion about whether they're a good or a bad person. But you saw that in the Kyle Rittenhouse case from the Democrats. Almost 100% of the time. I mean, they totally brought their own views into this and only saw things through their own prism. This hyper, hyper focus on race type of prism. Let me skip here to towards the end of Glenn Kirshner's thing because I want to wrap up for today. This is what he said. One can't help but feel that we are forever sacrificing the lives of men and women, boys and girls, in our country's determination to worship at the altar of unrestricted gun rights. Okay, so now he's trying to say this was about gun rights and how we worship guns too much and therefore we're just letting people die. I want to point out something about Kyle Rittenhouse. He had a gun pointed at him. One of the guys who shot him, he had a gun pointed at him. So is Kyle just supposed to lay there and be like, well, I can't worship guns, so I'm just going to have to lay here and be shot by one. <laughs> you know, the reason that conservatives really care about the Second Amendment and our right to, to carry guns is because we know if we just said, oh, guns are bad, we're going to lay our guns down, that's not going to stop bad people like great Gage Gosheritz from pointing guns at us and trying to kill us. We see people like Gage are still going to try to kill us. Bad people with guns are not going to give their guns up. So it would be pointless for conservatives to surrender their guns. As far as Glenn Kirshner is, is concerned, I guess he'd rather just Kyle lie there and be shot. And that's probably what he'd want for you and me too. To not even defend ourselves, because if you defend yourself from someone pointing a gun at you, he says that you 
that you worship at the altar of unrestricted gun rights. Let me give one more paragraph here from this clown. He said, as we watched the trial unfold on television, we learned that two of Rittenhouse's victims were unarmed. Though one was holding a skateboard, he reportedly swung at Rittenhouse. Okay, that is not unarmed. When you're swinging at someone with a skateboard, skateboards, by the way, have you ever held a skateboard? There's some thick wood. Like they hurt. <laughs> a skateboard will hurt you if you get hit with it. Go get hit by a two by four. It can be used as a weapon. So he was not unarmed and he'd already hit Kyle twice and was going in for a third time and he got shot. By the way, you could be unarmed and still try to attack someone. Okay, you don't just be like, well, I have a gun and you don't. So I'm just going to stand here and let you kick and punch me. You don't do that. <laughs> you can defend yourself even against someone who is unarmed if they are attacking you. That's how the law works that Glenn Kershwitz or whatever, I'm forgetting his name by this point, that he's apparently covered legal cases for 30 years and does not understand this basic fact that any second grader understands. Okay? And I didn't finish the sentence. So the victims were unarmed. The third victim had a gun, but did not fire it at Rittenhouse. Well, he was pointing it at Kyle Rittenhouse's face, and then he got shot in the arm. And he even testified in court. Kyle did not shoot him until he pointed the gun at Kyle. Textbook case of self-defense. Couldn't have been more clear from the very beginning. It was self-defense. But this is what Glenn Kirschwood, whatever his name is, this is what he says on MSNBC. How, we are left to ask, can Rittenhouse be justified in shooting three protesters, killing two of them under, two, under those circumstances? Well, you know what? Dude, you just explain the circumstances and why it's legal. <laughs> so much, so many lies about this whole case. I've just never seen anything like it, that even after all the facts are out, the trial is over, Kyle's been found innocent, they're still telling the same lies that they told before. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that in media misinformation. Okay, I need to close it up for today. I really enjoyed getting to do this program Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Um, I'm glad we got to do an, do one this week. I almost skipped out on this week because of the holidays, but so much happened. I just I didn't want to let it go another week. I wanted to talk about some of these things with the infrastructure and some of the aftermath of the Kyle situation. Let me just give some closing thoughts on why words matter. You know, I acknowledge that words change over time. Uh, I remember in like 2016, I was talking to some friends and we were talking about this movie coming up called. Captain America Civil War. Man, we were so excited for that movie. And by the way, it is my favorite Marvel movie of all. It's a, it's a great film. Captain America Civil War. And we were talking about how at that point, this was like in the, the month before the movie came out, we were so hyped up for that movie. We were talking about how like when we hear the word Civil War, at that point, we weren't even thinking first of the American Civil War. We were thinking about the Avengers having their civil war in this movie that was going to come out. <laughs> like we were just joking about how the word had taken on a new meaning in our minds. And someone, one of the friends was like, oh man, that's sad. And I said, well, you know, words, they just change over time. It's a natural evolution of language. Um, and I said, think about Amazon. When you hear the word Amazon, is the first thing that you think about a river in South America? Or do you think about Amazon.com where you can do your Black Friday shopping? <laughs> you know, um, The first thing you think about is probably the website because that's much more common to us now 
than what the word Amazon would have meant when I was in third grade, okay? Words do change over time. That's just the natural thing that language does. It changes, it evolves. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, a lot of times nowadays, when you hear about someone who's a sexual predator, you'll hear about how they groomed their victim. You know, grooming is the word that they use to talk about how a predator will manipulate someone that he's trying to take advantage of. Uh, they call that grooming. Okay, so you probably hear about how some sometimes people are groomed by sexual predators. The other day, I'm, I'm going through YouTube and I see a video about dog grooming. And my first thought was like, oh, that's disgusting. And then it hit me a few seconds later. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> like dog grooming. Grooming had a meaning before people were using it about sexual predators. It actually did have a meaning. So that's what the video was about, by the way. It was about like combing your dog's hair and all that dog grooming. But just because of the, how that word gets used so differently nowadays, I started thinking about it in a different way. Language changes over time. And that's natural. That's the natural evolution of language. But what we're seeing right now in the media is not the natural evolution of language. We're seeing the genetic engineering of language. We're seeing them purposefully trying to change the way that we look at terms like race, racist, diversity, fully vaccinated, infrastructure. That is not a natural evolution of language. That is the genetic engineering of language. And as long as we don't call it out, they will get away with it. But that's why this show exists, so we can call it out, so they won't get away with it. This has been Luke Taylor. Thanks for listening to a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And just remember, if you hear this week from the Democrats that tree equity is infrastructure, that's just fake news. (laughs) 